the place that we think no one sees or hears. Maybe that's your thought life. Maybe that's in your house. Maybe that, I don't know where it is for you. But whatever you consider to be the most private place where no one knows what's going on, guess who's there? God. Here it comes, brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. Good evening, everyone. My name is John McKenzie, and you're listening to A Word with God. Uh, I'd encourage everybody to open up their Bibles. We're continuing the topic from last week and the book from last week, which is Hosea. Hey, John. Like, yes. You have kids, right? I have children. Yes, but, I and, do. And like, did you give them really good names, or did you give them kind of like like those different names? Uh, you know what? They, they were a little bit different, but uh, my wife's Spanish, uh, for Latina, right? So they have a Spanish name to them. Okay, but this this guy he like he named one of his kids not mine. Oh yeah. Did you imagine going around with that? And, and that's an, horrible. And another one like no mercy or like it's just that's weird. I yeah I I, I can't even understand that. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, right? Yeah, we're not in his life, so but let's get into his life and let's yes. find out what he's got to say. Yeah, so we're gonna be going through chapter two. Uh, everybody can uh, open their their Bibles to chapter two, and we're gonna be going through Hosea and learning about betrayal this week. Awesome. Sin's consequences, verses 6 to 7. Like a pregnancy, sin gives birth to consequences. And we have three pregnancies that they talk about here. The giving of birth. This one here, she conceives again in verse 6. Hosea is not the father. It's not mentioned. He's not mentioned as the father. The idea here is this is someone else. is the father of this child. She conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her idea of calling out, like say this out loud. Don't, this is not a private thing. This was her, this was her name. Lo Rumah, no mercy. For I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. The reason God spares people is compassion. The reason you don't see immediate, many times immediate reaction to sin is God's mercy giving you time to repent, giving you time to turn around, giving you time to turn back to him. She conceived again, gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to him, name her Loruma, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. You used up your quota. If you're here today without Jesus, God is calling at you saying, like, this may be the time. This may be the place that we don't know when, what tomorrow holds. We don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know that in an instant we can be gone. Our sin quota has a cap on it. And then God will act. And when we have died, and when we stand before God, it's too late to accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross. 
So God says, don't outweigh me. Move now. Respond now. He says, I will have compassion on the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord their God and will not deliver them with bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. They're going to know it's God who stepped in. Remember, we have Jeroboam, we have Israel in the north. They're done. Their sin quotient is full. The cup is full. They've been judged. They've been found lacking. And they are no longer going to last as a nation. Judah, on the other hand, is still obeying God, not perfectly by any means, still falling way short, and God is still working with them. Well, put down here, Judah had not reached that point, the point that Israel was at. They were far from perfect, but they had relationship. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not punished for sin. Jesus took that punishment on the cross. God is trying to get your attention, though, because he wants to see your life change, and he wants to see a new kind of living. He wants to see you at, uh, following him and being obedient to him. Eventually, God brought Judah under discipline to turn her heart back to him. God's discipline is never punitive. It's never to punish. God's discipline is always restorative of na in nature. And so if you find yourself un, as a follower of Jesus under discipline and you can feel God's hand in your life, you can see God's hand in your life, you can see God waking you up and getting your attention, you can take it to the bank that you are not being punished for your sin, you are being wakened up in order to return to your God and repent. Sin is paid for at the cross. Repentance, restored relationship, is what God is seeking. Well, God's sowing brings fruit, verses 8 to 11. Put down here, you can't reap what you don't sow, and God is always sowing. Did you know that? God is always sowing. He's sowing in your life. He's sowing in the world. He's sowing in our country. He's sowing in our churches, and he's sowing in your home. God is always sowing seed into your life. God has a desire that you would love him, follow him, be part of the things that he is doing. There are things that he wants to see in your life. There are areas of growth that he wants to see. There's areas of obedience that he wants to see. There are areas of submission that he's working on in your life. And you either can cooperate with God or you can resist God. Israel was a resistant. In fact, in another scripture, he calls her a stubborn heifer. I don't know if you've ever tried to lead an animal that doesn't want to be led, but it is not fun. And it's very hard to get critters to go where you want them to go, especially if they weigh like 1,200 pounds. It's almost impossible. If they're going to go there, they are going to go there. And that is how Israel was, where Judah would come into these cycles of repentance, and God would enter their life, bring people like this Syrian king along and, and refine them, and they would see God's loving hand, and they would repent of the sin, and they would be, go back into a cycle of sin and repent and forgiveness. And, but God didn't want them there. God's ultimate goal is that they would have a, have a heart and a love relationship with him a heart of obedience, a heart of love that was, that was based on his love for them and not because 
They had to. Well, when she weaned Lohrima, no mercy, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Again, Hosea is not the father. He's mentioned in the first, not mentioned in the last two. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, not mine. I think of the kid. How would you like to go around, your father's named you, not mine? For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the sons of Israel, I love that yet. I love that yet. The number of the sons of Israel would be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured in out. Where does that come from? It was another promise of God. What was that promise? Who, remember, who knows what that is? No, it's not Moses. Abraham, absolutely. The Abrahamic covenant stated over again and again and again that God would be with his people, that they would survive, that they would make it through. And the Lord said, uh, they will be like the sands of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people. And that was the place. That was then. God was saying, you're not my people. I'm divorcing you. You've betrayed my love. You've betrayed my kindness. You've betrayed my mercy. And he gives us this picture of divorce to get a sense of how wrecked up. And those of you who have gone through divorce, you can get a sense of how ripped apart you are. And I've talked so many people. One of the common things is being ripped from the inside out, this tear that doesn't seem to heal, that continues on and over time and with God's intervention and mercy, there's a change and there's a lessening, but it's a hurt. And I've been told by people who have been divorced for, for 30, 40 years, there's a hurt that is there that does not go away. And God uses that very intimate, very unique picture that is human's who have lived through betrayal and a broken heart that we can grasp just slightly what God feels like when we reject Him and His loving, His overtures of love towards us. That He sent Jesus to be your Savior. That He sent the Holy Spirit to live in you and to change your life and to give you courage and the ability to meet whatever comes your way that he has provided for you. He's gone before you, calls himself a shield and a buckler. He says that he's the one who enters in on your behalf. He is the one who is faithful, who will never leave you, never forsake you. He understands. And if you carry that pain with you today, if you have a father, mother, sister, brother, you have a God who understands that kind of pain. Because that is how deep his relationship runs with you. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel, verse 11, will be gathered together to return to one kingdom, north, south, different kings, different agendas. God is blessing the south. God is merciful, working with the south. The north is cut off. Eventually, one day, he's going to bring and he's going to bind that relationship back up again. Bring it together. 
and they will appoint for themselves one leader. We know that to be Jesus, and that there's this future kingdom. He's the son of David, the son of God. That's who we know him to be. And they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of God's sowing. Jezreel, God's sowing. What God has sowed will bear fruit. Just as what we sow, the soul that sins, it shall die. But when God enters in, and God brings restoration, and God binds up, God is the one who took that penalty of death. Because He loves you so much. And then, actually, chap, or let's put down here, God is a God of hope. Put number one, He is a God of justice who knows that we are in no position to help ourselves. I love what my brother Dan says all the time. He says, I, I, can't, even, I can't even change myself. How can I expect to change somebody? It's true. We can't even change ourselves. God knows that. God loves you in spite of that. In fact, He is all out a part of the change process in you because you can't do it. Number two, He's a God who is holy who made a way for us to approach Him. He knows you can't get, He knows you can't get good enough. He knows you can't do enough good things to get into His presence. He understands that, and yet He has made a way for you to approach Him through Jesus. And finally, He is a God who can have no relationship with sin. Divorce is the only outcome outside of Jesus. Divorce is the only end game that comes between you and God. There can be no other outcome outside of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who wants to bring relationship between you and God. Hey, we have some cool things going on at Evangel Community Church, and we hope that you'll check us out and maybe we could become your church. If you don't have a church at home and you are looking to connect with some fellow believers who are kind of all messed up and trying to find their way there, you want to join us. Are we messed up, John? Yeah, everybody's messed up. Well, I am, that's for sure, and so is Stan. So, but yeah. we love Jesus, right? <laughs> that is true, amen. And he makes things way better in our life? Yes, he does. We have some small groups. John is a leader. Him and his wife, Liliana, lead a small group. What's the name of your small group, John? Uh, it's called uh, Financial Peace University. So we're learning how to budget and how to work through you know, getting out of debt and all those good things that go along with it. Get savings, get retired, happy and making money and having all that good stuff figured out. Awesome. We also have small groups that are studying the Bible. Right now, we have a group of men who are uh, teaching the book of Habakkuk. And if you go like, what, what, have a what? And it's, it's Habakkuk. And, <laughs> and it's like one of the small yeah. Old Testament prophets, one of the minor prophets. And it's like, how does see God at work when it looks like nothing's happening? Well, we have groups for men, groups for women, and we would love to see you. Check us out at evangelcommunity.com. And if you're in the neighborhood, you can find us at... Find us at 112 Spadina Road West, and it's right near St. Mary's Hospital. So love to see you and come over and say hi to us. Awesome. God connected with Hosea and spoke to him, and Hosea heard God's voice which came to Hosea, the son of Berai, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, remember Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And during the days of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, remember him, he's the good king. These are the early days that we're talking about. Go take a wife of harlotry, adultery, 
Go choose a wife who's sleeping around, who's not faithful, who you don't know if you can trust her or not. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of people have a hard time with that. They go like, how could God do that? Why would God ask that? I mean, this is an up-and-coming young preacher, and he's saying, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to get a wife who's not going to win friends and influence people in your life. Imagine him going to a church and saying, yes, my wife is Gomer. And they go, Gomer? We've heard about her. And so that's, that's what God asks him to do. Take a wife. Take a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry. Take other people's children into your home. I, I, I mean, I can imagine Hosea is just like, what? Like, can you give that again to me? I'm sure I misheard you. Because for the land commits flagrant harlotry. Forsaking means to leave behind the Lord. God's going to use his life. He's going to use his marriage. And he's going to use it as an open, walking... I, I mean, I prefer flannel graph. Remember as kids, and you'd go to Sunday school, and the, they had the flannel graph, and they'd be... To me, like, I, if I was Jose, I'd be going, like, can we do flannel graph instead? I don't want this. This is going to be painful. But he's obedient. What God is saying to his people is, you've not put one over on me. I can see how, what you're doing. I see the flagrant harlotry that you're doing, that your disobedience and your unfaithfulness. Sin is in plain sight. We get this idea that somehow sin is not in plain sight. That wherever our most private place is, the place that we think no one sees or hears, maybe that's your thought life, maybe that's in your house, maybe that, I don't know where it is for you. But whatever you consider to be the most private place where no one knows what's going on, guess who's there? God. And he's paying attention. We used to go visit friends. I've got a friend who and they're farmers, and you get this, you come in at night and you fall asleep, right? And you get in a chair. And I would go and visit them. And, and, and there was numerous times where the farmer, my farmer friend and his wife would be sitting, we'd be talking and be in the rocking chairs in the living room. And, and more, more than one occasion, I was left there, and they were both asleep in the chair. And it's kind of like, well, I guess we'll wait for something. Eventually, one of them would do the like that. And you know, when you wake up and you're kind of going, and, 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 but God is not like that. Sometimes we think God is asleep, that God is in the rocking chair, that God is not paying attention. And God is saying, I am paying full attention. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I know exactly what you're doing. I know exactly what you're thinking. And the nation of Israel thought that God was not paying attention. Well, let's, why do we think that we get away with sin? Why do we think that we get away with sin? One, no immediate consequences that we're aware of. And sometimes you can be sinning, you know, what you can mistake as God's, which is really God's grace, you can mistake as being that God doesn't care. God is merciful. God is faithful too. Number two, hardening of our hearts. That's what was going on in the, in the nation of Israel. Their hearts were getting slowly harder and harder. And the things that should have bothered them, the things that should have set off the alarm in their lives, no longer bothered them. There was a process. It took time. Syncretism was taking place. 
So that true worship, remember in John 4, Jesus said that the Father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Error was creeping in, and it crept in slowly and consistently. And before Israel knew it, they were doing the same things that everyone around them was doing. And it kind of sounds like Romans calling good evil and evil good. Does it remind you of today? Well, finally, ignorance of God's Word. Happily uninformed, I call that. Have you ever been happily uninformed? Well, what does God say about this? Well, I really don't know if I want to know what God says about this, because if I know what God says about this, I might have to do something about it. So let's just leave the Bible closed on that subject. Happily uninformed. Obeying God is the key, verses 3 to 5. Disobedience always has a painful outcome. Disobedience always has a painful outcome, even when you think you're getting away with it. There were a lot of times on the farm, Tom, back when they used to have tractors without calves and that, I was not supposed to ride on the tractor when they were cultivating, disking, or plot, anything like that. And there was times that my grandfather would stop the tractor. We had a, a knoll in the hill on the lane, and once you were over the knoll, you couldn't see, and so my grandfather would stop the tractor and let me get up and go with, and I thought I was getting away with it. Problem is, is that my mom had a kitchen window that looked in the same direction over where she did the dishes, and do you know that the kitchen window was high enough that where my grandfather stopped the tractor, you could see it from the kitchen window. I thought I was getting away with it. Israel thought they were getting away with it. You know what? You and I think that we get away with things all the time because we don't see God's immediate intervention. We don't see God's hand right away, even though he says that he sees and that there comes a time of recompense. Verse 3, so he went and he took Gomer to take their means to Mary, the daughter of Diblam. How would you, how would you like to be her father living with that? And she conceived and bore him. It's important that, because that, that him is there for a reason. It means Hosea. She bore, bore Hosea a son. Seems like things are off to a good start here. This marriage is going ahead. They're having a child, and, and it's moving forward. And Yahweh said to him, name him, that's the child, Jezreel. It means God sows. God sows. For, because... Yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu. Jehu was a king, a descendant of Jeroboam. And uh, for, now that word for there can also be translated like, like the bloodshed of Jezreel. There's going to be a judgment. And this battle of Jezreel was a bloody, horrible battle. But it settled Jehu as being a king, as being a strong king. It's, it's a big battle. There's a, there's a big payment coming. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel on that day, that day of bloodshed. I will break the bow of Israel. That's, that's euphemism for the army. I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. I love how James McDonald says, you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. And that's exactly where Israel was. They had chosen sin, and there was this coming freight train. We just watched a good movie couple of cuss words in it, but good movie. What's the name of that movie? Unstoppable. 
Okay, Denzel Washington, this train's going. That, that's the idea that it's, gonna, it's coming as sure as a locomotive with a million tons behind it is going to blast through. As sure as, as, as you can be sure of anything, the consequences of sin are unstoppable. Even if it looks like you're getting away with it today. Put down here, sin and uh, unfaithfulness always have death attached to it. That's Genesis. It's either ours or Jesus. If you are, do not have Jesus as your Savior, idea of that meaning the one who takes your place, you have to pay the sin penalty. Jesus, on the other hand, has chosen to pay for you. Death is always a part of sin, whether it's Jesus' death on the cross or whether it's our death. Put down here, the wheels of God's justice grind swift or slow, but they always grind. Justice is always seen. Yeah, so Stan, I, I got to tell you, again, th this, is, this is a heavy book that we're going through. And I'm looking at the names of some of his kids. Now, the first one, everything's great, right? Jezreel, right? God sows. The next one, no mercy, no compa compassion, right? The next one, lo a me, not mine. Like, who, who names their kids this? Well, I mean, remember, it was part of an object lesson. And so it, it's, an, it's an object lesson. Things were going along with God, going along with God, and then the nation turned from God, and then they came to a place where the mercy ran out. Their cup of sin kind of hit the top, and, and there was no mercy left for them, and then they became not his. And that's just a reflection of the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. Things are going fine. Things messed up. And, and there's there's no mercy, whether it's no mercy in his heart or there's no forgiveness in his heart. Like he, I mean, just imagine being that man. And then he gets to the point where like that, no longer. I mean, I'm not even taking responsibility for this. Hmm. And before you know it, uh, they're in really bad situation. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. You know, and again, going back to Hosea, like when I'm looking at Hosea, I'm thinking, here's the experience that God's putting him in. And there's a lessons being learned. Now, here's a question for you. Would you say that's happening to people in their daily lives, you know, where they're having bad experiences and hopefully there's either a lesson they're learning or other people are learning from them? We got to balance that out because James says that like God doesn't bring evil into our life. Right. He allows evil to enter in and he chooses to use evil to bring us to a place of one, either listening to him and seeing what he says is true or to bring us down to a point where we're willing to submit and to come under his authority. So, um, yeah, just have to be careful of putting that part on God, but God certainly does use everyday circumstances, John. Yeah, you know, I think of that line, which is, you know, life is tough, life is bad, but God is good, right? So through bad circumstances that are happening in our lives, we, can, we should learn from it, and other, other people can learn from our testimony. I, I've got a trucker friend. I mean, if you, if you don't have Jesus, I don't know how you— how you move through these things. But I have a trucker friend who just says, like, his, his response to those things is suck it up, princess. I mean, if all I had was <laughs> suck it up, princess, I think, I, I mean, there's been times in my life that I really needed more than suck it up, princess. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You need, you need that warm, comforting, you know. God is with me. God's yeah. going before me. I'm not in this alone. 
He has a plan behind this. He has a purpose behind this. And and that sovereignty of God peace sure gets you through a lot of things. Yeah. Well, and you know what? And that's and that's great. That's that, that's the encouraging news that's coming out of this book that we're reading. So uh, again, I'd remind everyone, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening this evening. And next week, we're going to be going through Hosea chapter 3. Uh, so really look forward to going through that with you. And remember, as always, you know, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life.